The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Now, I want to return to a story that we started here on the show yesterday at four o'clock yesterday when we spoke to Mary. So, Mary was the mother, is the mother of four kids, and her 13 year old son wants to give up Gaelic games. Not because he doesn't love Gaelic games, absolutely adores it, wants to keep playing, but is absolutely sick and tired of sitting on the sidelines for every match. He goes to every training, loves training, loves seeing his friends, great social outlet, great physical activity. Then it comes to the weekend, they have a match and he sits there for the majority of the game, gets a couple of sympathy minutes, maybe at the end at most. And my God, we were inundated with people with similar experiences and stories yesterday. Joe in Dublin's after getting in touch already today. I'm finding it hard to keep an 11-year-old boy playing Kieran. He has four friends who are on a different team and he's on a lower grade team. The same group were in soccer. They they were great at age nine. Again, he's on a different lower grade team. All he wants to do is play with his friends, but he told me himself that he isn't good enough. I get streaming at an older age, but there's something wrong somewhere when an 11 year old can't play with his friends and already feels he is not good enough. Other people getting in touch. It's all about getting the right coaches. We need to appoint the right coaches and managers from underage upwards. And this listener says, I coach soccer under 16s. It's difficult to manage subs. Other players want to win, so putting players with less ability on when a match is tight creates conflict. But I do believe it's important all players do get a run out of at least 10 to 15 minutes for each game on average. We add an awful lot of coaches as well, it has to be said, get in touch with us, like that coach, uh, with messages, with emails, with texts. And a lot of them who were critical of some of their colleagues, they didn't want to come on air because they didn't want to be identified. But I think it's fair to say that there's plenty of coaches out there as well who who feel a bit disquieted at what, they're all, what they are involved in uh, uh, themselves. Pauline is with me now. Pauline is a coach as well, uh, a mum of three kids uh, who play football. Uh, Pauline, what's your own experience of this? Good afternoon. How are you all there today? Good. So um, I am a coach. I'm a parent of three uh, teenage children, a boy aged 15 and two girls. One plays under 14 and one plays under 12. Um, I have been dealing with sport all my life. I'm a PE teacher and I'm very interested in sport myself. And as a result of, I give as much time as I can back to my community and to all the different sporting groups within um, my area. But I suppose the main thing that I would experience when it comes to the GAA is uh, when my son would have been younger, I would have tried to get involved in giving a hand with boys playing and, and trying to get in there with the male side of things, we'll say. And I found it interesting, like the other parents have said there about it was kind of alarming on the number of boys that would turn up to training sessions and get left on the sideline and be thrown in for that minute or two at the very end. And coaches would feel, oh, sure, look, they got a game, would be the phrase, even though they don't seem to respect the impact that that has on the child. And they think just because the children are younger that maybe giving them a run on the field is enough. But the children themselves really feel the impact of it and they feel the lack of respect. And as a result, I have seen them over the years fallen away from sport and just given up, especially with GAA around my area, given up on it altogether. And now, most recently myself, I have stayed involved with training with the girls. And for the last two years, I've been working with under 14 girls and under 12 girls. And what I find as a coach is, you're, you're sent out a set of criteria from the LGFA, from your county board, and at the beginning of the year, we sit down as a club, um, as a committee, 
and we set out like what we want to achieve for the year. And our main priority is that it's fair play and that you get all girls get entitled to the same amount of time on the pitch as much as you possibly can. But specifically under 12, what we're working with, like we understand that under 12 is still development. Yeah. And it's not necessarily that you're going out to try and win shields or win cups or anything like that. But I really feel that at under 12, the children are still developing. They don't have an entitlement to a position on the pitch. And coming to training and developing their skills, developing their football skills, developing their social skills, and, it, and communication skills is so important for them. And if you can keep them coming at under 12, you'll have them, they'll, they'll go on. If they feel they're appreciated, you know, and that you're taking care of them as a coach, they will go on and they'll, they'll stay involved. But what I do find then when it comes to games, that the, the, all the abuse is coming from parents that parents think that their child is, you know, they put them on a kind of a pedestal. Yeah. They have them already assigned to a position on the pitch, even though with no communication with the coach, but, you know, that their child or their daughter thinks, oh, you sh- you're playing in the forwards. Usually you hear about midfield or forwards. Yeah. You don't get many volunteers wanting to be in the backs <laughs> or the goals or doing the hard work down that end of the pitch. But a lot of them want to be up the forwards. And, oh, no, I only play as forward and this type of thing. But I feel that it's coming from parents and that parents are they're given out if their daughter is taken off. They could have been the best player on the pitch. And why okay. was she subbed so, and such so, and such a thing? So, so because, you know, that's something we've touched on in the course of the discussion since yesterday and already today is, you know, the fact that an element of competition comes in and there's a focus on winning. But you're, you're the first person, I think, to acknowledge, you know, it's not just the coaches and players who are thinking about that. It's the parents on the sideline as well. So even... The coach, who's absolutely committed to giving everybody even game time, he or she is worried about getting it in the neck from the parents for putting on weaker players. Is that it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, And I've heard it myself over the last two years. You hear the the scandal when the game is over. If you lose a game or if such and such a one was left on, we would have won that game type of thing because they would have been the heroes that would have won the game for us without realising that you could, like, under 12, you, it's 13 aside. And in our club, we, we're just fortunate enough to have one team. And you're trying to, like, what we do is we literally break it up into four quarters and we put a set of players on in each quarter so they get equal amount of time. Yeah. And there has been games where we have felt that, um, you know, you could be winning, you could be losing, it doesn't really matter. You're trying to move girls around into different positions but you're also trying to give everybody equal time on the pitch. And during training, I think it's very important that the more you encourage the the children and the more you give them confidence, Mm. that has to be done over and over again, that eventually, over time, the girls will improve and they will perform, but they never get that opportunity if they're left on the sideline. You know, and what what I've experienced last year, in last year's season as well, is you do so much within your own club and you play through your league, and you play through your championship, and if you're lucky enough to get to a final, and especially in clubs where have, that might have more than one team, that they can enter, like, you know, they might have 40 or 50 girls in a particular age group, and if they can enter more than one team, you often find that the rules get thrown out the window when it comes to Cup Day, and that the, the stronger players are left on the pitch, and you actually feel sorry for the other team's, you know, um, substitutes that are standing there watching the game or maybe have come to the point where they don't even bother watching anymore because 
they know that they're not part of it and they're not going to get a yeah. run in the pitch and you know that there's an awful lot of that going on but yeah. I think you know it, that's uh, there's lots of people getting in touch as well making similar points uh, Pauline that lady sounds 100% right about participation being the most important thing preaching to the converted in my case I'm a girls soccer coach I resist streaming at young ages it's so important to keep girls involved and playing and keeping fit and healthy another listener says there are minimum playing times specified by the FAI up to a certain age players must be properly graded into teams at an appropriate level managers must also realise it's about the players and not the managers and they must communicate well parents must also be realistic and somebody else says why can't there just be A and B teams in the clubs there often are what I've found in this conversation over the last couple of days it's it's those kind of in between size panels that get caught if you've got a very small panel everybody ends up playing a lot of the time if you've got a huge panel you can split them up into multiple teams if to stick with Gaelic games you've got a panel of 25 that means you've got on average about 10 subs every week you don't have enough for a second team but you've got too many to be putting on all the time, it's it. It is it is not an easy answer, and I beware anyone who says it is a very easy answer. But I think the answer can't be that you've got a kid who's sitting on the sideline week in, week out, watching the same players play every match. That can't be the answer. I think we've settled on that, or certainly most people have settled on that. Uh, Anne is with us as well. Anne is another listener who got in touch. Uh, Anne, what's your experience of participation in sport at an underage level? Yeah. Um I uh, grew up in Germany and went in Germany to a school who had a big emphasis on uh, sport and on um, new languages. And um, the, a lot of pupils in my school were that good at school uh, and at sport that they had actually teams going to uh, use trains for Olympia in Berlin, which was a big honor at the time I went to school. But I had the misfortune that I was actually a small and quite shooby child and I didn't have the chance to get uh, to that level my classmates were. And um, that did a lot with my self-confidence, of course, and uh, with my uh, love of sports. And I then had um, the lucky experience of having a very, very good PE teacher who, um, when the time came to grade our uh, um, results in sport for the year, uh, he all sat us down in a sports hall and uh, told us our grades. And of course, all the cracks in our school got an A or A plus or whatever. And when it came to me, he gave me a B plus. And I was completely surprised because yeah. I never got so good results ever. And, um, of course, the other girls then questioned him, why is that or whatever? And she's not as good as us and blah, blah, whatever. And he said, well, for her size, she is as good as youth and she deserves this uh, result. And that actually gave me such a boost of self-confidence yeah. and such a love for uh, sports from then on and such a positive outlook of things that I am still, since 43 years, thankful for that teacher doing that for me. And that's and, and that had a, a, a an ongoing impact on you, Anne, did it? I mean, yes, a, a, after the fact, it, it encouraged you to keep playing. It encouraged me to keep playing. It encouraged me to try out new sports. It 
it encouraged me to have uh, belief in my body and its capability even so i always w was big you know and uh, i'm actually now close to my 60s and i went through menopause and i actually had such a trust in my body that things would work out well for it that uh, everything did work out well and this self-confidence and this body confidence uh, I have now, I would have never got without him and his positive encouraging. Yeah, well, it's, it's nice to hear a, a kind of a tangible example of somebody being encouraged at an early age who was not necessarily, as you say, yourself, uh, obviously sporty and, and what, what impact that had on you. And thank you for getting in touch. John in Dublin says, Kieran, I was watching a girls match. There was one girl about half the size of the rest of them in full forward position and their coach was encouraging her to get to the corner. In other words, get out of the way. Shocking attitude uh, from that coach. Somebody else says, my question is, at what age does it become serious? You can't play everyone all the time when you go up to the older ages. I, that's a fair point. And I think everybody listening would acknowledge there comes a point where it does get a bit more serious at the same time I'm not sure at any age I'm comfortable with the idea that you just have the same people being subs all of the time there needs to be a level of participation in sport right up to adulthood uh, I, I would suggest but anyway Hilda Breslin is with us as well she's Uchtaron of the Camogie Association Hilda thanks a million for, for taking the time to speak to us um, what, what are the guidelines in the Camogie Association to encourage participation and involvement up through the underage ranks Hi, Kieran. Thanks for having me on. Um, look, I suppose the camogie is similar to some other sports that people might be aware of uh, in the terms of the GAA. Our underage model is a participation model. Um, and that is all the way up to 18. And we would be saying that, that underage is about participating and developing the whole player. Um, so certainly up to under 11s is a go games model. And that's the similar to everybody else. At under 11s, then 12 to 13s, we move to what we probably term a transition policy. And that's where you'll start to get a small bit of competition in. It's still unlimited subs, Kieran, but you'll get in uh, more of the playing rules and it'll start to become more competitive. But it is still about participation. Mm. Um, and even our leagues will have eight subs. So there is no reason why you shouldn't be using all your substitutions and what we would say, you know, all the time and all of our coaches who coach in on, in underage camogie, you have to have done a foundation course. You have to have done the child safeguarding course. And both of those courses, along with all of our other courses, will emphasize that this is about participation. It's about developing the girl all the way up. because. Mm. As everybody says, players develop at different rates. So they do. And we have to recognise that. And I mean, for instance, last year in conjunction with Sport Ireland, we developed a Coach the Teenager course, which has been rolled out. And one of the key things about that is it is about retaining girls and developing them going forward. And it is not about just developing the skill on the pitch. Yeah. And I think... That is a, a very strong ethos we would have and a very strong ethos that many of our coaches will have. And certainly, um, if you were to speak to any of the most successful underage coaches, they will say to you that underage medals are not the, the, the value you put on underage yeah. coaching. It's funny because um, a, a, lot of, there's a lot of coaches getting it in the neck on the, on the tech yeah. side. And, and look, as, as, as an underage uh, coach with a camogie team myself and having done those courses, Hilda, um, look, I know that there's 
there's bad accountants, there's bad teachers, there's bad radio presenters, there's bad coaches, I'm sure. But the vast majority are just out there trying to do their best. And I, I thought it was interesting, Pauline, we just heard from, she was making the point that often the competition, that injection of competitiveness comes from the sidelines, from the parents. And it's coaches kind of almost afraid to put on the quote unquote weaker players because the parents of the stronger players will give out to them. Well, I suppose, you know, Kieran, we, we are a community, so we're based in the community and we, we replicate everything that is in a community. The good and the bad of a community is replicated in all of our associations. So you will see this throughout all of life um, and you will have very good coaches. And I would always say to parents, you know, you are a member of the club. So the, the ethos of a club is driven by the membership of the club and therefore it will be driven by the parents and they will by and large be the majority of the people involved with the club so if you have an ethos of inclusivity, of playing all the players, of looking at underages, developing a player going forward and if if parents have that ethos in a club that transcends the whole club and so it widens it out and I, I mean I suppose people often say well what are the rules what are the guidelines you know, I could preach for days and I could tour the whole country telling you all what you should be doing. But a lot of it always has to come from yeah. the grassroots and the attitude at the grassroots. And I think in lots of ways you're right. We can put in place the good practice from the coaches downwards. But we've also got to educate the sidelines, yeah. the parents and everybody to be part of this what? drive where we retain our players and, yeah. and we create you know, very responsible people in society and in community well, who want to partake in sport. Hilda, uh, we appreciate the time. I mean it. And thanks a million for taking the call. Hilda Breslin is Uchtaran of the Camogie Association. Some of those issues we're going to bring up with Thomas Byrne. He is a new Minister of State with responsibility for sport. Not long in the job. He's going to be joining us after five o'clock. Lara in Dublin says, I was that kid on the sideline day in, day out. Eventually I left the team and joined a computer club in the 80s. The wisest decision I ever made in my life. Life has a way of leading, leading you in the right direction if you listen to it. Martin and Arklow says, parents and kids should remember there are more sports out there. If not GAA, maybe soccer, rugby, tennis. The list goes on. A kid who's not getting picked on the football or hurling team could turn out to be the next Brian O'Driscoll Pele or Andy Murray maybe try another sport and one more for the moment but just like yes a huge huge reaction to this there is no easy answer to this Kieran. you can't dismiss though the importance of trying to win unfortunately some kids are just not good enough to make a team what do you do park the good players I'm a coach my son is always first off which people give me grief about because he is good The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan weekdays from 4 on News Talk.